Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b -b bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News. Uh, my name is Cameron Riley. This is uh, Bullshit Filter the News, episode 24. Uh, mm -hmm. This day of our Trump... <laughs> Shit, what is it? I don't know. Hold on. I need to look up. It's... Yeah. Six, uh, six, 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 six. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, uh, what's uh, phone plus two ninety seven six six two. You were pretty oh, close. Close. Oh, mm, mm, mm. every day feels like a 666, but I, yeah, I'm glad I was close. 662. So do you think when you get to 666, uh, something mm -hmm. something special will happen? Is that when he will reveal himself? Uh, if you're talking about the Antichrist, yes. Um, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see who gets fired that day. I mean, every day is a crazy day. So I think I've, I've seen like seven reports today that John Kelly – is next to go, so it's just a matter of when. Mm. Maybe he'll hold up. So well, we'll see. We'll get to we'll get to all of your election okay. news in a minute. Um, first of all, obviously, we we need to start off by uh, uh, just talking a little bit about Stanley, uh, the passing of fucking legend. Who? Yeah. Uh, um, God, man, Stanley. What can you say about Stanley that hasn't been said? Um, I'm sure yeah. you, like me, grew up reading his work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Spider Man was my hero. Spider Man got me through my weird teenage years. Well, that and Playboy, but there was a lot of Spider Man. <laughs> when they let you out of the bubble, uh, you you read Spider Man. <laughs> And you know, but like if he yeah. can if he can make it, so can I. That's right. This little geek. So I tried to get spiders to bite me, but that uh, Bubs didn't pan out. It's my new nickname yeah. for you. Remember Bubs Bubbles from the Wire? Bubs. That's my new. Oh yeah. Okay. So I've decided I'm calling you. you from now, Bubs. Hey Bubs. Oh. Um. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, probably the Hulk for me. Um. Uh, Hulk, Here we go. Thor, X Men, Spider Man, even before probably Star Wars came along when I was eight and gave me a mythology to live by. Uh, you know, it's probably Stan Lee's work. Um, yeah, a big fan of, you know, sort of a big fan of Batman as well as a kid, but it was really Marvel Comics that uh, I was deeply into as a kid and. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, the, the, uh, it's incalculable the impact that Stanley right. had on millions, hundreds of millions, probably kids' lives. Um, yeah. Not to mention, then, you know, spawning the characters that have dominated the box office for the last ten years. Um, yeah, what a fucking life! And and all through that, just his whole personality of the fun, crazy old guy. I watched. Um, <laughs> I watched a mashup of all of his cameos on uh, YouTube this morning, right. and uh, you know, in in, in the later, yeah. yeah, in the later ones, he's always got two like twenty year old models hanging off him, like Hef. In fact, he even gets called Hef. I think it's in one of the one of the Iron Man movies. Yeah. Uh, Tony Stark's walking through a crowd tour. He goes, "Hey, looking good, Hef." <laughs> he turns around at Stan Lee with the smoking jacket. Um, what a fucking life, man! Um, yeah. Yeah. What what Well what? I identified mm -hmm. I identified with Peter Parker, the, the goofy, you know, teenager, you know, Batman scared the shit out of me because he's this brooding uh, billionaire. But yeah, just like just like you and probably a lot of others, just I just connected with Peter Parker and there was hope because he had this secret identity and it was super cool and he always had these pithy lines that he gave to bad guys right before he beat the shit out of him. So you wanted to be Spider Man just so bad. It would be it would have been so cool. And and that fantasy, you know, gets you through some some dark times. I think that was the thing about Stan's writing. There was always humor. There was always wisecracking, smart-ass humor. 
you can kind of tell yeah. the impact that it had on me. Like just that 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 <laughs> smart smart ass humor that was through all of his stuff. Um, but so, yeah. what what do you think we can learn from Stan? I mean, uh, what what are the takeaways from Stan Lee's life, Ray? Well, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to use a quote that Stanley gave. Um, but, but, it, but it certainly does answer that question. He goes, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers. But uh, see, and then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. So we, with our modest income, with our modest uh, podcast and not modest egos, we're, we're we're trying to follow in his uh, his uh, tracks. We're entertaining, we're educating, and hopefully we're stopping someone from ju- jumping off the deep end. But I just think he just you know don't take life too seriously. Have some moments of fun. Immerse yourself in something that's not real for a little bit, and then you can get back to work and all the other stuff you have to do as an adult. I watched uh, well part of this mashup video I watched this morning. There was a fairly recent interview uh, with him where he talked about doing something that you really love, that you're really passionate about, making your life all mm-hmm. about that. And um, I guess that's that's kind of what we've tried to do. And you know what I encourage my kids to do, like you know, you got to do what you love. You can do the sensible yeah. thing, and that's I guess that's fine. Um, when I'm living on the street in my old age, I might wish I had done the sensible thing. Uh, I'm sleeping under a bridge. Um, but uh, for now, right, we're doing what we love. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, right. trying, to make, trying to make the world a little bit better uh, in the process. X-Force. We're X-Force. So, yeah, take a little bit of time, folks. Think about Stan. What, what yeah. would Stan Lee do? I think that's uh, that's the motto for the day. Yeah. Uh, well, um, just before we get into the midterms, um, MBS, uh, the the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, here we are, day fucking I don't know what, probably day fifty six six six, and right. uh, still nothing. Nothing's happened to MBS. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it is not going to. No real international consequences for his actions. There are reports that there's a little bit of. Uh, uh, power struggles happening back at home in Riyadh, but uh, for now, no. Apart from a wagging of a finger and a tisk tisk tisk, uh, no one's done anything. So we'll see. I, I don't expect anything to happen either. In fact, if anything, other mem- member uh, family members, if they can't seize powers, like you know, dude, just don't get caught. Come on, just don't get caught. You know, clean up, clean it up a little bit. But yeah, nothing's going to happen to this guy. This this is just bold faced power when you can take out a human life and you're not touched. I mean, that's just where we're at in the world today. Well, it's. <laughs> I mean, a he didn't just take out a human life. Uh, he's taken out lots more than that. Right, All the people dead in Yemen. Um, yeah. we're talking and in Syria, Saudi's involvement in the Syrian civil war. We're talking about brutal torture and murder of a specific individual but and it's not just today that's where we've always been that's going on all around the world all the time including your own government does that all the time um but it's just more evidence i guess that no one cares no one in power cares uh, they're not going to do anything apart right. from tisk 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 partly because they don't care partly because Saudi Arabia's got a lot of oil, uh, a lot of money yeah. uh, that they use yeah. to influence a lot Good of customers. economies. Right. Um, so nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And, and later on the show, if we have more time, I do have some more information on that. The uh, what's going on in the house of representatives at this very moment, while we're recording this, they're doing something to help, um, the um, the Saudi Arabia, and uh, so again, it, it never stops. If you're a good customer, if you if you are our ally, you can go out and kill someone. It doesn't matter. We're going to back you because the United States, just like Rome, is for sale. Well, and with that, congrats, America. Uh, you said your midterms. Um, yeah, and the the party that didn't prosecute Wall Street after the global financial crisis, the party that lied about mm-hmm. spying on every phone call and email of every American citizen, the party that assassinated American citizens without trial, the party that couldn't beat Donald Trump has half the power again. 
So congratulations <laughs> on that result, America, I think. Um, That's they, considered progress. Yeah. The Democrats couldn't beat Donald Trump properly with a second go after two years of a complete shit show. So, wow, mm. you know, wave that blue flag high, America. You must be really <laughs> proud that you couldn't even win both yeah. houses after two years of this fucking train wreck. What the fuck? Yeah, all politics are local, and I don't know. There, there, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. There are people, and I'm related to a lot of them, who will back Trump no matter what he says or does. They will spin it. The other side is evil, and these people – and you have to say this about Trump. He is able to get out the vote, and at the end of the day, that that's what matters more than everything else. Well, uh, well let's break down the midterms a little bit. Uh, I've tried to get my head around what actually happened. Um, now, the early results suggested that Trump actually did way better in the midterms than Obama did in his first midterms or, or that Clinton did in his. But the results are shifting and, and it may not turn out that way when all of the results are in. But the early results said that he'd lost 26 seats in the House but gained three in the Senate. Now, um, by comparison, Obama's first midterms in 2010, he lost 63 seats in the House and mm. lost nine in the Senate. So it was a complete right. bloodbath for Obama at his first midterms. Trump, by comparison, doing okay. George W. Bush, his first midterms in 2002, won uh, eight seats in the House and won in the Senate. He was up nine seats, wow. but that was just after 9-11 and America had lost uh. their goddamn minds. Um, but we no, did it together. In 1994, yeah. Bill Clinton's first midterms, he lost 54 in the House and lost nine in the Senate. Um, Ronald Reagan's first midterms, he lost 26 in the House, lost zero in the Senate. But, uh, you know, on the surface of things, at least in terms of the House, pretty much Trump's doing as well as Ronald Reagan, the gipper, did in his first <laughs> midterms, which... Not bad, not bad going, well, really. As we as we covered in the uh, bullshit filter, the war on drugs series. I mean, there were a lot of Democrats who were lined up with the Republicans. So yeah, he might lose seats, but he certainly got some allies on the Democratic side, which is why he was still able to push through so many agendas, so many pieces of legislation that are unfortunately are still affecting America today. Now, historically, of course, the party in the White House uses usually loses badly in the midterms, now, particularly when mm -hmm. a president's job approval rating is below 50%, as it has been with Trump. The, on average, the president's party has lost an average of 37 seats in their first midterms since the end of World War II. Mm. Um, but uh, as I said, Reagan, oh, sorry, Trump uh, down 26 in the House, up three in the Senate. It's a net of 23 lost or up. So better, far better than the average Not of bad, yeah. 37 lost. He's just Absolutely. the third president in 100 years to gain Senate seats in the midterm elections, but lose House seats. Right. But again, a couple of things to, to remember here. One, things are still shifting, a lot of late vote counting going on, a lot of thin margins in some of these seats. Secondly, it might have to do with luck more than popularity. The Democrats had to defend 26 Senate seats, including 10, uh, 10 in states that Trump won in 2016, some by very large margins. Republicans only had to defend nine seats, and only faced competitive threats in a couple of those. I think Nevada, Arizona, and Texas, where mm -hmm. Ted yeah. Cruz is fairly unpopular, but he seems to have won against us. It was um, Betamax. Um, he lost. Right. To, he lost to VHS there. Right. <laughs> However, analysts now believe that after all the votes are counted, Democrats will pick up close to forty seats. Yeah, in the House. And if that does in fact happen, it'll be the best midterm result for the Democrats since the 1974 election that happened after Watergate Ooh, when they won right. 49 seats. So uh, another, we'll see how it goes. Is that another comparison between Trump and Nixon? I have no problem with that. Um, 
I just think that's um, ironic. Why is that? No, just, just that uh, there's been a lot of people who have, you know, ever since uh, Trump came into office, for whatever reason, all the talking heads, uh, a lot of them have been comparing uh, uh, Trump to uh, Nixon, especially with the Robert Mueller investigation. Even people that worked on uh, the, during the, the Nixon times have been comparing it. So, uh, so again, I, just the fact that there's been another big sweep by the Democrats. I don't know if you want to call it a blue blue wave or not. I'll let everybody determine that for themselves. But they haven't done this well since the time of Nixon. It, it just might, again, draw more comparisons. But that wouldn't be ironic because you would be expecting comparisons between him and Nixon. Gotcha. Uh, okay. I think I you, you and Alanis Morissette need to pull up a dictionary <laughs> and actually – read the definition i don't know if they gave right. you dictionaries in your bubble but you, you, that's not what ironic mean <laughs> ironic means that you wouldn't expect it to happen but it did happen right. the, the opposite of what you okay. expected no, no. happened yeah, not what you it. did right. it yeah okay right right yeah mm. there's a bubble with your name on it <laughs> bubble butt with my name on it um <laughs> i see in arizona Kristen cinema Right. It's my favorite kind of cinema. Kristen Cinema um, <laughs> has won Arizona. She's an ex-Mormon, the first openly bisexual person in Congress, also wow. the first openly non-theist person in Congress or atheist, I read. Um, right. uh, she replaced a Mormon, and she's the first Democrat in over two decades to win in Arizona. So that's uh, it's a pretty big deal, particularly uh, for someone like me who, who has a lot to do with Mormons. Good to see an ex-Mormon bisexual. She's pretty hot too, got to say, smoking hot blonde. Uh, I think she's about 42. Uh, right. Yeah. So hmm. I, let me ask this. I didn't keep up with that election very much out of all of them. Is it because she was popular and coherent and she could talk or was the other person just so unpopular that it didn't take much to defeat them? I, I just – um, that would be curious to know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't follow it that closely. Okay. Okay. Um, now, if this is how it all plays out, um, Democrats are going to need to convince four Republicans to join them in order to pass Ooh. legislation or block nominations by Trump. Um, this is in the Senate. Right. So it looks like... Um, with her win, she's cut the Republican majority to 53 to 47 in the Senate. So mm -hmm. um, if they want to prevent anything getting through the Senate, they can, they, they've got control of the House, but if they want to control stuff that goes through the Senate, they're going to need to get Republicans to join them, which is probably going to be tough. Because yeah, um, the more moderates are gone, more moderate Republicans are gone. You know, Jeff Flake and others like that who either quit or been defeated. So it's more far right senators, and yeah, they're going to be on Trump's side. Yeah, so I think you're right. Yeah. So anyway, um, all over the United States, the Democrats have won close to 400 state legislative seats and flipped seven mm. governorships. Didn't lose a single governorship. Going into Election Day, there were 33 Republicans and 16 Democratic governors, and Alaska had an independent. The balance now is going to be 27 Republicans to 23 Democrats. But, but, wow. but you know, here's the thing. It's, it, as, as we've talked about a lot of times, really, the difference between the two of them. So it's like the Democrats are your, your center-right corporatist party. Your Republicans are your insane clown posse fucking uh, party. <laughs> Right, but it's not a. It's not really that much of a win, as far as I'm concerned. The Democrats, no. the Democrats are horrible. Uh, the Democrats are corrupt. The Democrats don't give a shit about the people. Unorganized. Uh, they're yeah. they're a corporatist party, so it's not really a win for the left. Uh, it's it's okay. So you have a different brand of people coming in to rip you off and screw you over. That's all. But, look, Trump is an extreme. Yeah. Trump and the GOP, I mean, Chomsky's been saying recently the biggest threat to life on the planet are the GOP, and I tend to agree with him. So, yeah, look, in, in, in that sense, weakening the power is good, but uh, they couldn't even take him out after two years of the shit show. 
The candidates yeah. that he went and stumped for did well, did better than the ones that didn't want him in their district. Right. Um, and he made sure everybody knew that. Yeah. It should have been a fucking blue wave, a blue tsunami. It was more like a blue spurt, a blue trickle, a blue pre-cup, <laughs> I would put it. This is basically what I was going to Well, it's better than the alternative of – yeah, no, so I think it's probably – you're right. It should have been more, but um, just trying to get more Democrats in there, if if not to actually do something pro- um, progressive or constructive, at least to stymie him. Sometimes you, you take what wins you can when you can. After two years of this fucking train wreck, they still couldn't muster enough of a coherent yeah. argument to win both houses. Uh, so I, the, Democrats have always been fucked up, disorganized. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and to to, to, to fuck what what this is about their chances in 2010, 2020 is not great. They've got well, how long? Six months before the fucking primaries ramp up for twenty twenty. Yeah, 2020. yeah. Uh, they've got to start finding someone who can hold their own yeah. against Trump in twenty twenty. Coming out of this, it doesn't look good for the Democrats in twenty twenty. I've got to say. Unless Sanders and um, uh, what's her name, the female who gives always gives Trump a hard time, um, unless they Melania? get together, uh, uh, no, oh. older lady, blonde hair, financial. She's always going on about the economics. Oh God, I am so embarrassed. I can't remember her name because you're trying to I, say Warren Elizabeth Warren. Warren. You're trying to come up with Elizabeth yeah. Warren. Yeah. So the, unless, but the point is, I in order to get ready for this show, I was looking at a, a politics uh, website, and they were saying the best the Democrats can do right now is Camelia Harris, who I don't know anything about. I know that she's well spoken and she's she's not afraid to engage. But as someone who is um, related to a decent amount of people in Virginia and South Carolina. I got people in my family who are still pissed that um, Obama, a black man, was elected president. So they're not anywhere near um, going to even consider a, a black female. So again, I think you're right. I don't. I think the Democrats are going to have a huge problem trying to put someone up to face Trump two years from now. There'd be Kamala Harris. You're talking about not Camilla. Camilla. Sorry, Kamala Sorry. Harris. Yeah. See, I don't even know her name. It's yeah. A K in it. Yeah. She's uh, like got some Asia and uh, Jamaican or something in her. Uh, I think. Oh, she's hot. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, California's Attorney General in 2010 and 2014. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of talk about her. She's uh, supposedly a potential player, as is Tulsi Gabbard. Um, mm-hmm. But as you say, whether or not Americans are prepared to get behind a woman, we'll see. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, there's also Michael Avenatti. Some people think he might he might take a crack at it. He's like he's prepared to mm. get into the yeah. ring and WWE his way around uh, <laughs> Trump. I don't think, but I don't know, man. I, I, it, it, it's not a good sign. It doesn't look good. Doesn't right. look good. Doesn't right. Look good. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that's going on that's interesting is this Florida recount. And Marco, mm-hmm. Mar- Marco, Marco Rubio has said that f- the, the Broward Elections Department in Florida has a history of violating the law. He's actually right. Uh, they do. They've God. been, they've been uh, um, found guilty of doing all sorts of dodgy shit. This is uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's district. Um, right. sort of the head of the DNC um, during the last elections. Uh, very corrupt, this area, and they I think there was a case, I think it was during the Bernie primaries where uh, oh. they just, yeah. uh, the, or, no, there's another guy who was running there against Wasserman Schultz or something. They basically, um, the, the head of the, the elections department there basically burnt all of the ballots before there could be a recount. Under federal law, I think they're supposed to hold on to them for 22 months and they just got rid of them. Oh, whoops, sorry, we burnt all of those so we can't do a recount. Did I light that pile? I'm sorry, wrong pile. Nothing happened. This is how corrupt the Democrats are. No, No. No one was fined. No one lost their job. No one went to jail. 
So he's right that Florida's fucking corrupt with the elections department, the Democrats there. But uh, anyway, another thing I want to know is where's all the talk about Russia in this one? Uh, You know, we, we, we had screaming hysteria for two years over <laughs> Russia throwing election results. Right. Now that the Democrats actually won the House, no, no more yeah. talk about uh, Russian involvement in uh, manipulating the election. What happened? Did they just give up and go home? Uh, I, I did read some analysts say, oh, Putin, with all of the focus and attention, now Putin decided not to get involved much in this one. It doesn't sound very Putin-esque to me. Uh, by the way, did you see the photo of Putin in the rain? I fucking love this. Yes, yes, hard ass. Yeah, yeah. I abs- yeah, absolutely know. I'm absolutely convinced that he rung Trump and he was like, Donald, um, how about you and I sit this one out? Let us not go and sit in the rain. Let us uh, <laughs> let us show them all. You and me, unity. Let's we, the rain. Unified right. front. <laughs> we, we will not go in the rain. Fuck all these motherfuckers. Right. You and me. We just, you swear. We, I tell you what, we have a private drink and some hookers come and piss on us. So I'll set up a room. <laughs> Donald was like... Uh, that's great. I love that idea. I hate the rain. Makes my hair look bad. But I love pee. That's very ironic. I know that. Pee and rain. Pee in my pee. hair. It's different from rain in my hair. So, and then Trump, <laughs> then Putin goes anyway. <laughs> and, and yeah, punked stands him. there. Punked Fucking him. stands there yeah, in the rain. Pretty yeah. sure he punked him. Anyway, um, not a lot of talk about Russia, uh, but uh, it doesn't sound like Putin's going to give a fuck about the attention. He loves the attention. He's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm, yeah. I'm, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, But this time, they claim more attempts came from Iran, according to the New York Times. Iran played Uh a big role trying to just put stories out there to influence the election. And according to the New York Times, the Iranians were trying to get Democrats elected. So why aren't we hearing more stories about... Why inquire? You know, connections between the Iranians and the Democrats? Why aren't there uh, inquiries into... Uh, the, the, the the financial connections. Why do the Iranians want the Democrats of our well? Because Trump threw out the deal with Iran. But, uh, yeah, I'm not hearing enough talk about that yet. Are we going to hear more talk about connections between the Democrats and the Iranians? Corruption? No. No, probably not. I think we need an inquiry into that, though. Well, the Democrats, and I think no one can argue against this, need all the help they can get. So if the Iranians want to get involved with their money, it's appreciated. Well, yeah. But it is illegal. I see your point. Is it, though? I don't think anybody, I don't think foreigners are allowed to do things to try to inf- – I don't remember the exact wording, but to uh, uh, do things to influence an election. I think that is a specific law. Mm, yeah, I have to look it up. What are they going to do? Sue Iran? Apparently, according to the New York Times, there's no uh, there's no evidence that the Iranian government was behind it at this stage. Just just no. just, just Iranian citizens, you know, just just patriots, patriots, yeah. Iranian patriots wanting to influence the American election. Good luck right. with that. That's all. Well, now Trump will maybe actually build his wall. Um, by the way. Looking into the wall, I was trying to piece together his rhetoric of the wall. You know, he first started saying he was going to build a wall back when 2015, when he declared he was running. He said he was going to cost four billion. Then it sure. went to five billion, and it ended up yeah. about twenty billion. Um, <laughs> that's 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 False cost. It was like, well, you know, yeah, it was four billion in 2015, but by the yeah. time I won, the price of walls had gone up. I mean, walls are uh, walls are in demand. Better not wait. Yeah. Exactly, be a huge demand. Because <laughs> he's a great negotiator we, and a great builder, but it went yeah. up. It went up four hundred, five hundred percent in that two years. Is because he's a great, yeah. great fiscal manager, Donald Trump. That that reminds me: is China really using their wall? Maybe we could get a good used sale price on it and just slip <laughs> it over here. I mean, they're just using it for tourism now, right? Yeah, that's Let's big. Though. That. Yeah. That's, that's big. A lot of tourists love that wall. It went from <sighs> Trump went from $4 billion and the and Mexico's going to pay for it to $20 billion and America's going to pay for it, but we'll get the money Happily back. Paid. We'll get the money back yeah. somehow one day. You know, $4 we'll, at a time. Trust me, right. we'll, we'll get it back. 
Trust me, four billion in Mexico will pay for it too. Trust me, twenty billion will pay for yeah. it, but we'll we'll get the money back from them somehow. And, and then he says, uh, "I do need to do four terms like FDR to make sure we get our twenty billion back." But again, trust me. Trust me on this. Yeah. The Democrats did better this time uh, with college-educated women and right. the youth. And the youth came out, I think there was like a 10% spike in uh, nice. the kids coming out and voting, 18 to whatever it is, 30. Uh, right. But the Democrats are still losing the rural areas and the people without a college education. Now, these are the people that should be the Democrats' backbone. Yes. Poor people, right? People in the yeah. rural areas people without a college education, working, the working class. This should yeah. be. Don't have insurance, struggling, barely getting by. How are they not Democrats? They're just blue-collar workers. That right. should be the heartland of the Democrats if they were a true left-based party, if they were supporting right. workers, if they had a better story for the workers, what what, what yeah. they're going to do for the workers, if they had a better track record of what they had done for the workers over the last 30 years, where they've had uh, 16 years in government in the last, uh, well, since when did Clinton get in, 92? Um, 92? 90, mm -hmm. 92. Is that when Clinton got in? Yeah. I think. So, yep, that's right. Yep. Tr yep. Can't, can't, trying to uh, uh, not get confused with <laughs> Australia's elections in the 90s. Right. Uh, when, when, <laughs> no, when we change prime yep. ministers and you change presidents, um, <laughs> uh, so if the Democrats had had, I mean, they've had a they've had a fair crack. They've had uh, two thousand and two, two thousand and twelve. They've had twenty, twenty five, twenty six years, um, sixteen of those in government uh, to try and uh, you know make a case for what they can do for the working class, and still not getting through. Um, I guess nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I talked about doing uh, on the bullshit filter this idea of why poor people in in the country um, go so heavily Republican. So we talked about that. But again, it's just one of those things that defies seemingly common sense. But it's just the spin the Republicans uh, are able to put on their issues. And, and like we said before, the Democrats are so inept. Uh, they're just not doing a very good job of capturing these people. Well, and I think it's largely because the Democrats have moved to the right since Clinton. Mm, right. Clinton realized that in order to have campaign funding parity with the Republicans, he needed to court a lot more corporate money. And in order to, ah, in order to get right. corporate money, he needed to buy into a corporate agenda. And uh, the Democrats haven't really been a yeah. left party. And, of course, as they moved to the right, the Republicans needed to move further to the right in order to have some sort of differentiation, uh, which has led to – I mean, it started under Reagan but continued after Clinton just moving more towards the – uh, Christian fascists, the the extreme religious right, and the gun nuts, and um, right. reading a lot of books on fascism at the moment, and um, mm. analysis of fascism from the last uh, sort of 50, 60 years of, of scholars trying to understand what causes the rise of fascism um, in, in different places and at different times. Um, and uh, yeah, looking for, looking for the signs, both in my country and in your country. Right. And I think okay. the signs are very evident in your country of a move towards fascism. Um, yeah. But uh, maybe that's something we can talk about at another time. All right. Okay. What would you like to talk about next? Let's talk about the migrant train, Ray, uh, the migrant caravan. Right. Did you? You mean the um, Middle Easterners who are posing as South Americans to come into our country and to destroy us, and only Trump can save us? I yeah. think that's what you meant to say. Yeah. Now, listen, I I, I didn't hear a lot about this um, before the midterms because um, right. I, I wasn't paying attention. But there is a migrant <laughs> migrant caravan. Now, it's not a caravan full of migrants, as as you might. Uh, think hearing that it's uh, an estimated oh. six and a half thousand people that right. are walking through Central America, coming through Mexico at the moment, heading for the United States. 
They've been walking mm-hmm. for a month, I think. And Trump uh, made a big deal out of this just before the midterms. And uh, I think he put like 15,000, 20,000 troops on the border uh, yes. to try yes. and, uh, I don't know, I do, but well, the well, wall would stop them. But apparently, you know, <laughs> he hasn't built the wall yet. Uh, <laughs> right. So he's using a wall of people, yeah. a people wall. That's his wall. Just 20,000 well, guys standing there. Cost. People hun- with guns. How much money does yeah. it cost to put 15,000 men with guns on the border quickly? It's, uh, I don't know, but it's a, I, I'd shoot. Uh, I do know it's a pretty penny because they're stationed there and the transportation and feeding them and everything else facilities. So I know it costs a pretty penny. And I guess that's what's needed to take care of women against, you know, to stand up to women and children who are fleeing persecution, uh, lawlessness in their countries. And, and that's, that's, that's the appropriate response, according to Trump. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that it's costing $200 million uh, to send troops down yeah. there. Why Fif- not? Sure. <laughs> sure. $200 million, sure. We could be doing something else with that, but yeah. Here we go. CNBC uh, says the price tag for the tr- troop deployment is shaping up to a, uh, have a cost of $220 million. Um, to is that like the four billion dollar wall? Should we expect the price to go up? Well, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty sure. Now, you know, we've we've talked a lot on our bullshit filter series and on our cold war series about the economics of war. So you know that money is going in somebody's pocket. The the twenty oh, yeah. billion for the wall, the the two hundred and twenty million plus for the troop deployment. That's all going into someone's pocket someone is profiting mm-hmm. from all of this uh, on top of the media that are cover- covering it with bated breath and making money out of advertising uh, there are there are there are businesses American businesses that are profiting from all of this so of course they think it's a good thing but what I want to talk right. about is, well first of all is um, I'm assuming that you're welcoming these people in here because, yeah that's what the guns are for <laughs> because I'm sure there's guns all have written on the side of them. Give me your tired, your sick, your teeming masses <laughs> yearning to be free. Uh, I think it's more of a bullseye than anything else. But sure, let's go with that one. Now, we've talked about this somewhere, somewhere, I, I don't know when, maybe on an Alexander show or something before. But uh, I, I was reading some forum online and some, somebody said, some American said, well, I'm, American didn't even write that. It's a, it was a French statue. Um, yes, the statue uh, is French, but the poem is an American uh, poem by an American ooh, poet, right. Emma Lazarus. And um, I thought I'd read the whole thing. But for the background, for people who don't know, particularly non-Americans, I guess, it was a, a sonnet called The New Colossus that was written by American poet Emma Lazarus um, in 1883 to raise money for the construction of the pedestal for the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and here's the whole poem. Do you know the whole poem? Do you know it off by heart? Do you get taught it at school? Do you um, memorize it? Is it part of your education? I was born here, so why would I learn a poem about immigrants? No. Uh, we we cover literally, give us your tired, your poor. That's as far as I remember in high school or middle school. And it doesn't say so you're no. tired, you're poor. It says you're tired, you're sick. Um, See, I don't even. Yeah. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbour that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, fuck it, is your poor in here. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp. Beside the golden door. My apologies, it is your poor. I've got your sick yeah. earlier in my notes. Fuck me. Um, mother I did of, learn those two words. Yeah. Mother of exiles. 
I like that because mm. it's what we are. Not yeah. mother of dragons, but mother of <laughs> exiles. you got to start somewhere. Now, the poem is an example of a Petrarchan sonnet, Ray. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Did, did not know that. Of course, but you do know everything about Petrarch now uh, because we've – we did a few episodes Covered. of Petrarch recently on our Renaissance show. Uh, for people who don't listen to that, you know, give, give, give them a quick 30 seconds on Petrarch. Oh, good God. Petrarch, I'm getting Petrarch and Boccaccio mixed up. Um, writer, traveler, first tourist, talked about the greatness of Rome, uh, ambassador for very various city-states, um, collected lost manuscripts, uh, got in trouble with the church when he would diss on the uh, the priests and the monks, but basically talked about living life here in the now as opposed to your rewards in heaven. And he he along with others planted the seeds that would become the Renaissance of thinking about the here and now and not just what would come later after you die. Yeah, he's, that is all I remember. Uh, he's known as the father of the Renaissance. Uh, Mm-hmm. wrote an epic poem called Africa. Um, it opens, um, I hear the drums echoing tonight. <laughs> she is only whispers of some quiet conversation. And, and that ushered right. in the Renaissance. Um, How could it not? Mm, he inspired people to uh, think about the the joys of life, the here's and now, rather than the afterlife, mm. which had been what the most people had focused on during the Middle Ages. He got he got deeply into the ancients, um, Ovid and um, Cicero and and Aristotle, and he tried to write in the style of Ovid and oh, yeah. um, uh, the motherfucker who was the other guy, Ovid and um, the other Augustan poet. Um. Um, fuck. Uh, the Aeneid. Uh, who wrote the Aeneid? Jesus Christ. We are. Jesus. <laughs> we are fucking hopeless. <laughs> Too many names. Virgil. <laughs> fuck me. Virgil. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Anyway, uh, a Petrarchan sonnet, uh, not developed by Petrarch himself, but uh, popularized by him and other Renaissance poets, um, n- named in oh. honor of him. The rhyme scheme. For the first, it's usually two two verses. A sonnet is the first verse is known as the uh, octave. The second verse is known as the sestet. The rhyming scheme for the octave is abba abba, um, named after the Swedish pop group of the seventies, um, because sure. uh, you know you had two hot girls, two dorky looking guys, <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, everyone just wanted to remember the the um, dorky guys. No, the hot girls. Yeah. A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A. And then the sestet is more flexible. Petrarch used C, D, E, C, D, E or C, D, C, D, C, D for his sestet. So there you go. Everything you ever wanted to know about Petrarch and sonnets right here on Bullshit Filter the News. I think you might be... A little off on that. I'm pretty sure it goes because I'm thinking of the Africa poem. First verse, second verse, chorus, first verse, guitar solo, instrumental, chorus, first verse, chorus, and then out. I think that's how it goes. No, no guitar solo, my friend. It's a it's a keyboard solo. Yeah, but if you look at the if you look at the rhyming scheme of that solo, it's C D C D C D. It's the rhyming I'll take your word for it. Don't. Um anyway, getting back to the migrant caravan for a second. Um what you don't hear much about is that it started in Honduras, which mm-hmm. is run by a, a right-wing government that came to power as a result of a military coup supported by the United States, uh, and particularly by so, Obama and Hillary Clinton. Ooh, awkward moment, awkward pause. Yeah. Okay, so they were so they were so oppressive, or whatever. These people are like. There's no chance of me having a real life. I'm Audi 5000. Exactly. 
Now, if this was a if it was a left wing government where they'd come from, uh, like uh, Cuba or Venezuela, you would not hear the fucking end of it in in the American <laughs> media about what a That's right. what a fucking failure uh, this left wing government is. But no, this is a right wing government and uh, incredibly corrupt uh, right wing government strongly supported by the U.S. Uh, Congress mm. and the U.S. military through success, successive administrations. They were supported by Obama and they've been supported by uh, Trump. Now, uh, the president uh, there is a guy called Juan Orlando Hernandez, uh, a.k.a. Mm. J-O-H, Joe. Oh, okay. Uh, coincidentally, Joe was the name of an incredibly corrupt uh, Queensland Premier who was in power in my state, I think, for like 19 years or something. He was the Premier. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Who was, Corruption pays. Yeah, and he was a New Zealander, but it's a nothing worse than uh, being <laughs> ruled by a Kiwi like for an Australian, I tell you. like Talk about years. insulting. Fuck. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, Hernandez was a, a businessman originally, uh, had a coffee business and he was also a hotel magnet, um, oh. magnate. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if that sounds familiar. Hotel magnate coming to power, running the country. Um, well, yeah, I can sell. Yeah. Yeah. Now he came to power. He came to power after a U.S. sanctioned military coup in 2009, which was supported by Obama and Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Um, part of a much larger U.S. program to support the conservative government of Pepe Lobo, uh, the, right. they, the military coup ousted the former president Zelaya. And Clinton, even in her autobiography, Hard Choices, admitted that she used her power as Secretary of State to deflect criticism of the coup and to shift U.S. backing to the new government because she thought they'd be better for the U.S. to deal with. Now, uh, Like a lesser of two evils. I yeah, guess. and we've talked about this before on some of our shows. This is the Jeannie Kirkpatrick Doctrine. Ah, Going back to the Reagan era, Jeannie Kirkpatrick was an American diplomat. Um, her theory was, listen, it's better for us to install and support right-wing dictatorships around the world because at least we can talk to right-wing dictatorships. They will do business with us. Left-wing governments won't do business with us. Right-wing Jeez. governments will do business with us. So even if they're corrupt and murderers and drug traffickers and all that. It's yeah. okay because they, they, <laughs> we can do business with them. Right. And, um, you know, Hillary Clinton, uh, obviously a big, big fan of uh, the Kirkpatrick Doctrine. So there's been all sorts of allegations of corruption and embezzlement, connections to drug traffickers with these uh, with this government since then. Um after Hernandez became president, he uh, made his sister, Hilda Hernandez, the mm-hmm. Secretary of State of Communication and Strategy. Maybe she was just qualified. She was really, really qualified. Yeah, and she was so qualified that uh, just before the 2017 president, presidential elections, she was killed in a helicopter crash, a military <sighs> helicopter Ooh. crash in the country mm-hmm. along with a number of other uh, military people. Um, kind of a suspicious accident there. Now, during the 2017 presidential elections in Honduras, uh, they, they had uh, live poll results on television, as you mm-hmm. normally do, until it yep. looked like his leftist opponent was winning. Then oh, suddenly the count stopped on TV. They said, oh, there's the vote counting machines oh, had a technical God. issue. Oh, no. And uh, Hernandez won in the end. Just trust us. Yeah. Look, you know, trust us he won. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, all, it's all good. Um, we, we, we know, you know, to be extra sure, we sent, we sent the votes to uh, Broward County in Florida to get them to count them <laughs> for us. Don't ask they to see them the afterwards. Ashes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They've got a but special design facility there to uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of old people in, in Florida, so they have a lot of crematoriums. They have a special one that they dedicate to burning 
election ballots. But trust us, yeah. This was even close. This was so obviously a fraudulent election that the Organization of American States, the OAS, demanded that a new vote be held. Um, when when the people organized peaceful protests in uh, Honduras, Hernandez rolled out U.S. trained and supported SWAT teams. Thousands of soldiers and military police that went out and cracked down on the protesters. Um, Estimated 40 people died. More than 2,000 were arrested under a new FACACTA terrorism law. Uh, But none of that that stopped him being supported by the United States government. Uh, So why should we be surprised that... They're not going to do anything about the assassination of uh, Khashoggi. Yeah, he's our dictator. We're someone we can work with. So, you know, business is more important than humanity. So you do what you got to do to bring in the bucks, especially that's, that's, that's everybody's mentality, but that's certainly Trump's mentality. Honduras has received something like $114 million in security support uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's a euphemism, if ever I've heard one. I was going to say. Security support. <laughs> For arms. Uh, it's like it's like calling uh, Viagra uh, cir- circulation supplement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in the last 10 years from the United States. And it's not just the U.S., right. I want to point out. The British government sold right. the Honduran government spy equipment just before the last election uh, that they could use to intercept, monitor, and track emails, mobile phones, and online messaging services such as WhatsApp. Uh, Despite Honduras's track record of kidnap, torture, and extrajudicial killings, the US government were like, yeah, sorry, the British government were like, sure, it's fine. Look, I'm sure... They're not going to use this for any of that. It's all for terrorism, not for hijacking an election. It's uh, all all for that. Honduras is the second poorest country in the Americas. It's been plagued with corruption and violence since the uh, 2009 coup. But, uh, you know, that hasn't stopped both the Obama and Clinton administration and the Trump-Pence administration just fucking loving these guys. Um, Hernandez has supposedly been to the White House to meet with Trump and Pence, who said they thought he was fantastic. Chief of Staff John Kelly called Hernandez a great guy and a good friend. Uh, Fuck. Now, you look in the mirror. Now, you don't hear a lot of talk about this uh, in the U.S. media. Um, you, certainly with re- regards to the migrant caravan, I didn't see a lot of background on the genesis no. of it. Trump you know, did tell Hernandez at some point that he had to stop the caravan or they wouldn't get any more funding. But by the time he said that, the caravan was in Guatemala which is sort of outside of Hernandez's remit. So he just went, hey, what am I going to do? But you don't hear Trump criticizing Hernandez's government. You don't hear him say, well, people are leaving because of the corruption and the violence and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And you don't see the American press talking about that. Like the, the amount of fucking coverage you've seen in the U.S. media over the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, which is horrible. Compare that to the amount of coverage you've seen in the U.S. media about uh, Hernandez uh, killing 40 people who were protesting the elections. It doesn't even compare. It doesn't even begin to compare. So, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, If I could lighten the mood a little bit by talking about hate crime. Please. Is this All got right. to do with so, me calling you Bubble Boy? Because listen, <laughs> it's it's one of the categories. It, it's hurtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, no. So the uh, once a year, the FBI comes out with their hate crimes list. And hate crimes, as you can imagine, are one of the highest, supposedly are one of the highest priorities of the FBI's civil rights programs. You obviously have to keep watch on this kind of thing because it can affect families and communities. It could also be the beginnings of terrorism in our own country. And Lord knows we've seen enough of that. So I just wanted to just real quick go over the last three years of their reports. So the hate crime statistics of the FBI back in 2015, uh, there were 5,818 single bias incidents um, in that year. So 59.2% of those uh, people were targeted because of their race, race, ethnicity, or ancestry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. What's a single yeah. bias incident? I, I think it's um, they, they were focused because of um, that particular thing. That was the main reason that they were attacked. So it's not like I'm attacking you because you're a Jew and you're gay. That would right. be a, that yeah. would be. A, I, I'm picking one thing. That would be a yes. double biased Multi. incident. This yeah, is, Americans like to keep it simple. Americans like to pretty much keep it simple. Yeah, so. So again, so out of the 5,818, 59, just over 59% were targeted because of race, ethnicity, ancestry. 19.7 were uh, targeted because of their religious bias. Um, 17.7 were attacked because of their sexual orientation. So you've got that. So you go to the next year, 2016, the year Trump was elected. It goes up from 5,800 to 6,100. And again, the numbers are pretty close to the same, 57.5% because of race. They were attacked 21% because of their religion, so a slight rise. And then the uh, 2017 stats just came out, and Hold again, on. it has gone Wait, up. No, yes. you, 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 sorry, yes. you, you're reading your numbers wrong here. So <clears> the 5,818 was single bias incidents in 2015. Right. In 2016, it says in your notes, single bias incidents went to 6,063. Ah, okay, for single bias. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, so, so yeah, they're throwing a went, lot of stats. Here, went up so. 200. What's that, what's that as a percentage of 5,818? Uh, well, 1% would be 58. 200 is pretty much four times, a little bit less than four. So it's about, it's about a 3% increase year on year. Mm -hmm. Please continue. Okay. But, yeah, but again, so 57.5% was, was because of race or ethnicity, 21% uh, motivated by viol uh, excuse me, by religious bias, 17% by sexual orientation. So the point is uh, that's, that's 2016, which again brings us back to 2017 where it's gone up um, to just over 7,000. So 7,106 single bias hate crimes were reported. 59.6 were because of uh, race and ethnicity. 20% was because of sexual orientation. Uh, so again, for the last three years, the point is it's going up. Um, I, I don't know if it's because of either more accurate reporting or, more, or people feel more comfortable to report being attacked. But, but we said this in a lot of the other shows. Um, history shows that um, empires that are normally doing well, and we've said this for the, uh, for the Roman Empire, generally if, if you're in the Roman Empire, you pay your taxes – you don't cause any shit. You can have whatever religious you want. You can religion you want. You can have several wives. You can do whatever you want. You behave yourself. You keep your head down. You pay your taxes because at the end of the day, it's all about economics. And so empires that are that are, are doing well normally show that they're tolerant of people's different beliefs. But that is clearly not the case in the United States because these numbers just keep going up. Um, you can you can bring in Trump if you want to, but I think it's just an overall pattern that we're seeing that we're just becoming more divided. We're becoming we're becoming less tolerant and we're feeling more comfortable acting on our fear of our feelings of either fear or anger or are just not understanding what someone else is going through. So again, as you've said several times, um, we're fucked or we're going in the, the exact opposite direction. Again, this is just another indication that this country, for whatever reason, and it's probably multiple reasons, we're just going in the wrong direction. And I don't think there's anybody with enough stature to halt this kind of progress or to even reverse it. So again, just years down the road, it's, it's just very scary sometimes, even though I live in the middle of nowhere, just, just knowing that this kind of random violence is going on and it's only 
increasing as the years go by. So how does that compare with other countries? I honestly don't know. Um, I know no one can or hardly anybody can touch us when it comes to gun violence, but I really don't know um, the violence or hate crimes of other countries. Wouldn't that be good to know if we're looking at something like this? Like, is that uh, high, medium, or low compared to other oh, like a equal, right. yeah, other equal countries, equivalent countries of of you know ec- economic yeah. uh, wealth per capita or whatever measurement you want to apply to it? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'd be happy to bring uh, some information on next week's show. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just saw this, and I just. Um, Again, it's just one of the things that makes it very uncomfortable uh, to live in this country, to travel. Like I just traveled to several states this weekend, uh, going going to uh, Georgia and uh, Tennessee. And, um, you know, um, it, it just makes you uncomfortable because it's getting to the point where violence can break out at any time. And you don't have to piss anybody off to be mean? attacked anymore. What do you mean it's so, getting to the point where violence can break at any time? When was it well, never you know, the point it, it, where violence can break has, out at any time? Right. Well, I, I think you're taking that a little too far. But the point is, I, <laughs> whenever I leave Lovingston, I, I know that I'm different from everybody, everybody else. I'm from another state. I have a different license plate. I dress differently. I speak differently. And, and the days where that's okay just, you know – seem to be gone and, and it doesn't take much to just piss how do you, people off. How do you dress differently? You dress like a white middle-aged American man from what I can tell. And in Europe you're wearing yeah. sand, you're wearing sandals, shorts, <laughs> uh, a t-shirt and a trucker hat that says right. make America great again. I mean, how how do you look different? You look exactly the same as every fucking American tourist I've ever seen. Like how do you well, dress um, differently? Well. No, uh, the parts of the country that uh, my friend and I went to were um, very poor. No, the car stood out. Our clothes stood stood out. The fact that we could uh, speak in uh, proper sentences stood out. So no, it was it was it was a little nerve wracking when it should not have been. Is my you, point. You I can speak in proper sentences. Real fuck. I, like I, wow. Absolutely. Well, I don't. I don't normally always have a microphone in my face. And uh, no, but but you know it was. So okay, okay. So the the hate crimes, the single bias incidences, incidenti, I think is the correct uh, plural there, uh, from 2015 to 2016 went up roughly three percent. From Mm. 2016 to 2017 went up eighteen percent. That's that's a huge jump. Huge, mm-hmm. It seems like a huge spike on the surface of it. Um, and, and what do you put that down to? Um, I, I put it down to the overall tone of what you see in the news every day. There's just less tolerance, less understanding. And I think Trump is involved. I, I don't know to what degree or percentage that he should be giving credit for that. But I think he's made it comfortable for people to come out uh, or to uh, say things or do things they normally wouldn't want. I mean, there's always going to be racism. There's always going to be prejudice. There's always going to be things like that. But normally those people, to some degree, um, know that it's wrong or it's illegal or maybe a sense of shame or whatever would keep them in check. But I think the the climate that exists in America now is that it's a little more tolerated. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I, I just think people feel a lot more comfortable saying offensive things, doing offensive things, and uh, that's just where we are at as a country right now. So you have any other explanation apart from Trump's made it okay? Is I there anything know. else it's going cultural. Okay. Okay. okay, what else is happening? I know it's cultural. What else is happening is my question. Are there any other things that you can identify in what's changed in America? Like, is the economy worse off so people are getting more antsy? Is uh, there something new in the water? <laughs> what else? Is it because Kevin Spacey wasn't on the last season of Game of uh, House of Cards and people are angry about how that series just went off the fucking rails and made no sense? Like, what, well, yeah. what else can you, you – Right. 
Stop fucking interrupting I, I, me. What else can you identify apart from Trump? Is there anything else that you can point at and say yeah. might be this that's going on? I think so. I mean, when, when Trump or whoever talks about the economy doing well, if you are in a position to buy stock, your life's getting better. You have more You have more wealth. If you're someone who can't afford to do that and you're still struggling with uh, insurance or, or trying to live without it, uh, medical coverage, life has just gotten harder for you. And uh, so I think there's an economic factor uh, to it as well. It's the, the haves and the have-nots, and that just seems to be getting wider and wider as we go. And, and no one's certainly creating policies, like we said earlier, to help <clears throat> the uh, these people who are suffering. So you're saying that the growing economic divide, despite Trump's rhetoric about the economy doing great, is, might be driving people to commit hate crimes? I, I think it's a part of the overall dissatisfaction mm. and anger or resentment or what, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's probably a multi-layered uh, reason, and that's probably one of the reasons. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll certainly look up hate crimes of other countries for next time. Just, to, just you know, is it a global thing? Is it just the United States? I mean, that would, and I, sh I should have had that, but that would be fascinating to know. And some analysis on why. I mean, okay, reading out the fact that it's going up is a good stat, but the question in my mind is why? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, but just... But, Besides what I've already said, I don't have any other reasons that I know of. Okay. Well, yeah. get back into your bubble and do some research. <clears throat> I just moved a computer into my bubble, so I'm pretty excited about that. Of course, mostly porn right now, but I'll do, use it for other things. Is your, is your bubble transparent? Like, people can see that you're jerking off in there, right? Yes. Yes, I'm uh, yeah. still working on that. particularly when it's your kids. All right, uh, that's the show, unfortunately, for this week. Uh, we'll be back with more news, maybe even on time next week, seeing as Ray promised me he's not going to go travelling anymore. Bullshit. 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 Bullshit.